it's great to be with you uh, here at 11 o'clock service. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 read like this. He says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That the Apostle Paul here in this text, he, he commends us as Christians. And that's who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the Christians uh, at the church at Colossae. And he says that he encourages them to not seek those things on this earth, but to seek, to continually seek those things which are above. He says, do not set your mind on the things of this earth, but set your mind on things that are above. In other words, that we are to live in a different way, that we are to not treat this world as our home, because as Christians, this world is not our home. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through, as the Bible says and as some of the old songs say. I'm just passing through. Can't stay here long. I must go and be with Jesus. Amen. And so he's encouraging us here to do that. And then he says that Christ is coming. And when Christ comes, who is our life, that we will be with him in glory. You know, when I think about home, I, I, I think about my growing up, I think about my life here on this earth. It's what I know. It's the, it's the, it's the uh, you know, the memories that I have. And I, like many others, would say, I kind of wish things were like they were when I grew up because it seemed a little bit better. But, you know, even in days gone by when it seemed that things were better, there still were bad things going on on the earth. Even at the best day in America, whenever that day, you may say that day was, there were things in some houses that were happening that shouldn't have been happening. There were things in some offices that shouldn't have been happening. There were people that were stealing. There were people that were doing things wrong then. It just seems to be a little more prevalent now. But don't miss the fact that there has never been a time while we've been on this earth, and I say we, when human beings have been on the earth that God created outside of the Garden of Eden that bad things weren't going on. I mean, they're fresh out of the garden and Cain kills Abel. That stuff has been happening. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Noah's time. Noah's building the ark, and for all those years that Noah's building the ark, they are having unpleasing to God parties. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. While he's up there, God's people, the Israelites, are having a party again that was not pleasing to God. Moses comes down, he's furious. So I just, I just want to lay down the fact that even, even when the Apostle Paul was writing the letter to the church at Ephesus, he was writing the letter to a church that lived 
in the center of the occult. Because of the commerce, traffic, and because of all the things that were going on, it was a vile and wicked place. Why? Because people were there. Sin was prevalent in people. And this world's cursed. And so, let me give you a snapshot of today. For the last 10 years, there's been an average of 250,000 kids entering into the foster care system each year in the United States of America. Each year, an average of 250,000 kids enter into the foster care system just in the United States of America each year. In 2019, World Health Organization reported that more than 700,000 people died of You're suicide You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the more preaching ministry of Chestnut of Ridge Church. One suicide in every 100 deaths. More people die from suicide than die from HIV or malaria or breast cancer or war or homicide in our current time. It is estimated that more than 10 million people experience domestic violence in the United States of America each year. That means that more than 10 million people in the United States of America each year report that they have been a, a, a victim of domestic violence. That means that there's a possibility that over 10 million homes are not safe in the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's estimated that 820 million people go to bed with an empty stomach in this world every night. They say that there's possibly 38 million of those in the United States of America alone. It's hard to believe, isn't it, when we go in our pantries, we will have to clean our pantries and our refrigerators out because food will spoil because we have not eaten it because the date's gone out now. That we, I, I heard Johnny Hunt say one time that America is a, an island of plenty and a sea of need. It's estimated that by the Department of Health and Human Services that between 240 thousand and 325,000 women and children are forced into sexual slavery in the U.S. each year. Probably, they say, I think it was 3.8 something million people estimated in this world in that situation. And you know good and well, we probably keep closer statistics than that because we've overloaded with a government with statisticians, is that would be the right word? We're overloaded with people that can keep up with that. So we know in countries like Africa and India and places like that and China, they're not keeping up with the numbers, so it's probably much greater. And other places in this world, if a million people are mistreated and are abused and die at the hands of people doing such things, it's dropping the bucket to the world system. Never even missed. As a matter of fact, I believe that a lot of people would applaud that many people being taken out of the system because it's just a relief. That's not what I believe, but that's the world we live in. That is the world we live in. Now, let me just throw this one in there. I hadn't thrown this one in all day, but, but it just went across my heart. You and I probably care about more about the number of people that died from COVID than the people that are on those news channels that propagate it. Because at the end of the day, they're our people. 
What I'm trying to tell you is this is not home. This is not home. Listen to what he says. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. I want to take one word to start with, and let's just dive into that particular verse. It's the verse when. I mean, the word when. You know, I believe that there, the Bible teaches us that there is an appointed moving day. How many of y'all have ever moved? Most people probably have. Christy and I, up until coming to Chestnut Ridge, we moved every two years in our marriage. I don't like moving. There's so much involved and, and, and all, but, but, but we've been blessed to this coming January be 14 years settled in the same place, you know, and I'm just thankful that we have not had to move. But did, did you know that there is an appointed moving day for the children of God, for the people of God? And listen to what he says, when. Growing up, <laughs> it, it's probably hard to believe, but occasionally I would get in trouble as a kid. And I know on quite a few occasions when my dad was either at work or maybe he was out, my mom would put me in a spot. You stay right here until your dad gets home. And you know, the whole time he was gone and I was waiting on him, I was asking, I was talking about when, but it was not asking a question of, I wonder when he will get here. I was going, when he gets back, it's not going to be good. And I believe in the text, that's exactly what's going on. This is not a question as, I wonder when God's going to back, come back. No, it is an emphatic statement. It is when Jesus returns. When He comes. There is an appointed time. Men have tried to nail down that date for a long time. Many have prophesied of dates. Many currently have dates prophesied that, they, they will, that He will come back on certain days. It blows my mind because the Bible actually says that you are never going to know that date, not till He comes, because He comes as a thief in the night. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And it goes on that, that the corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. That there is an appointed time that is coming. He says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, that, that there is a time when He comes. I mentioned last week that from under the altar, there's this crying out. When, O oh Lord, when? And they're asking the question of actually, at what time, God? But they live in a different place than we live. They are actually there. Ours is not so much worrying about the date of when, but being ready for when. And being aware of the fact that there is an appointed moving day. Christ is not visible at this time to His people or to the rest of the world. He finished His work of sufferings and, uh, in ministry, ascended to the bliss of heaven, and then there is this statement, when? When Christ appears. So there is an appointed moving date. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, unless you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And he says, comfort, therefore comfort one another with these words. And some folks might go, because I mean in this text we look, he says, when Christ appears. When Christ who is our life appears. So is he talking about the rapture? Some people might not believe in the rapture. Some might believe that the rapture comes before the tribulation at, at the beginning of it. Some at the middle, some at the end. Here's what I want you to understand. I want to put all of us on a level playing field for the moment. Even if we're talking about this, or even let's just say that we're talking about Revelation 19. Christ comes. Here's what I want you to gather out of it. That I believe, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, if we are caught up out of here, we're going to be with the Lord to meet Him in the air. If we go to Revelation 19, verse 14, we're going to find something out. That when the Lord does come on His white steed, eyes of fire, a sword, proceeding out of his mouth, sharp two-edged sword with which he'll devour the nation. And on his vesture and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords, verse 14 says, And with him will come the armies in heaven in white linen and seated on white horses. That This is my point. That for us, since this is not home, if we do not seek out the things of this world, but seek the things of God, we don't set our minds on the things here, but we set our, our minds on the things above, that when we see Him, we are with Him. Whether it be in the rapture, whether it be in the, the coming back to devour the nations, to set things at, 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 at an end at that point, we're with Him. We're with Him. When Christ who is our life. And then here, here poses a good question. Are you going to be with Him? Because see, I believe that, that since this is not home, knowing that there is an appointed moving date, I also believe that there is an apparent cultural conflict for the people of God. Yes, I'm going home, but till I go home, what's life going to be like? There is a cultural conflict. Listen to what he says. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Now, if you go back to verse 3, you see, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That you and I, I mean, Galatians 2.20, quoted it a lot lately, but I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave, him, gave His life for me. That, that you and I, as the Apostle Paul is teaching us, that we are different, that there is something contrary about us to the world, there, that we are not like the world. Isn't it sad to witness souls that claim Christ but rise no higher than the things of the earth? That many of us that would claim Christ are no different than the world 
And we know that that shouldn't be, that you and I should be contrary. We should be different. Why? Because Christ is now our life. Our life is hidden in Christ Jesus. We, the old man has died. The new man has come. And now in Christ, you and I have this biblical worldview, not a secular worldview. John MacArthur said it right, I believe. There's only two religions on the face of this planet. There's the religion of human achievement, and there is the religion of divine accomplishment. That every professed religion on the face of this planet can be put in one of two categories. There is a religion of human achievement, whether it be from secular humanism that believes that we can achieve something with God, even if it's through the Scriptures and we achieve it ourselves, or if even the Buddhist that thinks that they can find some kind of nirvana somewhere and, and, and just doing away with all of the things around us, because that's what the whole point is, to get rid of everything, including yourself, because flesh is bad, everything's bad. Once we get to zero, we're, we're good. We have no problems at that point. I'm not looking for zero. I'm actually looking to come out of the negative and go into the positive. But that you and I believe that there is a religion, I say if there is a religion that we would follow after, it would be the religion of divine accomplishment. That Christ, the divine Son of the living God, accomplished on Calvary's cross salvation for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. We believe that. And that causes a cultural conflict. 2 Corinthians 4.10, Paul says, I'm always caring about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. That you and I should be different. So much so that it seems that this world is not our home. You know, I've, I've challenged some folks at our church a couple years ago, and, and, and the challenge stands. There were several parents that were not really happy with me when I made this challenge, but I'm going to stick to it because I think the day's coming to where, well, we'll just see what happens as we go. But I, I said, if any of our kids would take at least, when they graduate high school, at least the summer, maybe even into the first semester of their formative college years, we as a church will come up with the funds to send them to Fruitland. And we will set up a curriculum there with them so that they can get the things that would benefit them the most before they hit secular colleges, before they hit the world, because we know the statistics. And here's what's so funny. We know the statistics, but we do nothing about it as the church. We always say that, that that's when we lose them. It's when they go off to college. Why do you think we lose them to the secular world? Could it be that there is no foundation in there like it needs to be so that they can fight against this? They don't can defend their faith. They have God dwelling within them so richly and they have a relationship with God. And they know a counterfeit when they see it because they've seen the original so often. And they understand the precepts of God. They understand the character of God. And there are things that can happen in those condensed environments that just is tough to do. It takes years to do in church life at the rate that we go normally. Fixing to change that, though. That's fixing the, we're, we're fixing to try to make an about face here. But nevertheless, 
You, you know, many parents would even tell you that they could have saved a whole lot of money if their kids actually knew what they were going to go do at a college. Isn't it amazing? They end up not being focused. Not all of them. Some of them are not this way. But a lot of them end up not focused on something. And because they're not focused, they get pulled in. And the next thing you know, the grades drop, the partying goes up. And we're praying with parents because parents are distraught because Junior got Sally pregnant and now they're having to go work at Walmart and they're having to... Nothing against nobody who works at Walmart. I'm not, not at all. We could just... Hey... But what would happen if whatever they became... And let me back up. They also had to, to go out of the country for one week during that time to realize that this world is not what America paints it to be. That there are people actually out there. It would do them okay to spend one week in a trash dump in Guatemala to see people scrounging for food and livelihood. Wouldn't hurt them one bit. Didn't hurt me a bit. You know, but to go on mission somewhere and to see that this world is not, it's like it's a facade. Our new life is so different that we should seem like we're strangers to this land, like we're foreigners here, like we, we belong somewhere else. And that it convicts my own life that I'm actually to look like to others that I don't belong here. And see, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, there are plenty of ministries that I know of that teach the opposite of that. That we make heaven here on this earth is what gets taught. And then we're in between sometimes, but the truth of the matter is, the Bible says that we're not to be friends with the world, that we're actually to be contrary. That does not mean that you, 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 you don't have a house. It doesn't mean that you don't have a car, you know, and that we have to ride in horse and buggies with triangles on the back of it. That's not necessarily what that means. But it does mean that when the world looks at you, it ought to be evident that this is not it's not what you're looking for for home that this is not the the end goal you know there'll be a, a lot of costumes put on tonight some were last night <laughs> i've been watching that heated debate as to where the halloween's going to be on saturday night or sunday night i wish somebody would have just come out and just said something you know but uh but anyhow i've been watching all that debate going but just yesterday, I got to see Spider-Man. He was about that tall. Not as big as, uh, I mean, a little smaller than I thought he would have been. But anyhow, he had muscles and abs, and I got to squeeze his muscle. They had one of those padded costumes. You know, show me your muscles. And he... But Spider-Man, when he got home before he had to go to bed, he had to take that costume off. And... He's not Spider-Man no more. The new life in Christ is not some costume that we put on. The new life in Christ is 
the regenerative life of Jesus Christ living in us and through us. That the Word of God is transforming us into that, and that biblical worldview is that, that whatever we do, and, I, and you mark my words, the conflict is coming. It's already here for a lot of people, but the conflict is coming. Whether, you, whether people, us included, we're going to go with what's ethically and morally right by the Word of God, or whether we're going to succumb so that we can keep all of our luxuries, our niceties. As a matter of fact, it might even come down to the point to where you have to decide whether you're willing to go hungry a little bit to be right with God. It's hard to imagine in our minds right now, but I promise you as the day approaches, it'll come. So many have got their palaces and they have all of their their, their whole view. In other words, they've led their families. That, and, and I want you to hear my heart. I know people that have nice homes and nice cars and nice lifestyles, but those lifestyles do not drive them. They have them, but those things don't have... They have the things, the things don't have them. But there are many people that niceties in life those things have them. And their families have been taught that this is what life is about and this is our direction. Uh, let me just go so far as to say there are many people <laughs> that have taught their families it's more important to go to the lake on Sunday than it is to go to God's house on Sunday. And the day's going to come as to whether you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to be choosing whether you stay with the flow so that you can maintain status quo or whether you're willing to stick with the book even if it costs you. Uh, that sounds bleak. I get that. That sounds like, wow, preacher, this is, I thought we were going home. We are going home. What I'm trying to get you to grasp is the fact that when Christ, who is our life, appears... Did you get that? Christ who is our life appears. Because we've died, our life is now hidden with Christ in God. We're not seeking the things on this earth, we're seeking the things above. We're setting our mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Looking for the blessed appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as the Bible says. And that's, that will bring a conflict. You won't have to go look for the conflict. The conflict will come to you, I promise. That if you live contrary to the flow of this world... It'll, the conflict will come your way. But let me promise you, if you are a child of God, you have an address change that's already been applied. You have an applied address change. The day that I come to faith in Jesus Christ, my address changed. I told you about moving a while back in the message. One thing I couldn't stand about moving was the fact it's not so much I didn't like moving the furniture. That part I agree. I don't like moving the furniture. But forwarding everything to another place. You know, the forwarding the address thing. This was, and it's not as prevalent now. It's a little different. You, 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 the modern day doing that is a little different because what, all, what comes through email now used to always all come through the mailbox. 
So there was a lot more in the mailbox at one time, and now you, you, want a, uh, you want a hard copy, like you want a printed copy mailed to your house, or do you want it electronically sent to your house, you know? And I, I'm tossed in that world. I'm just, I'm in between, because I'm like, I like opening up the envelope and, uh, you know, and, and reading. I can mark on it and stuff. And here's, I've got this email. So I get both. So, so I still kill the trees, and I keep the people busy in the office. But I hated that address change because, you know, we gotta, we got to get everything forwarded. we got to make sure everything's headed in the right direction. We've got to make sure the furniture gets where it's going. we got to set up the U-Haul truck, and we got to do all these things. I, I got a new phone just recently. is laying over there. And, and I don't change phones a lot. I went from an 8 to a 12. And I know the 13 come out. I get that. And you could have got the 13, preacher. I, I know, but the reason I got the 12 was because the 13 come out and the 12 went on sale. That's why I got the, the 12. And so I guess my next one will probably be like the 20 or something like that. But nevertheless, there's a reason I don't like changing phones. Not all, only is it the money, but it's also they say, oh, everything will just transfer over. And this time it was scanning a code, you know, and then everything goes over. But it don't. It's supposed to. But it seems like there's always something that just don't quite work right in the transfer. And at the same time, I won the lottery. I didn't play the lottery, but I won the lottery. That's what they told me at the bank. An envelope came with a new debit card in it. I didn't need a debit card. Mine still had two years left on it. And I'm like, I'll call them people. They've made a mistake. Christy's like, they sent you my, uh, she said, I'm due a card, but you're not due a card. And I'm like, ah, we'll call them. It's all good. We'll come to find out. I won this lottery that they were talking about because everybody that banks with my bank, only a thousand lucky people got their number changed on their card because those thousand cards would not work with the new system. And everything just about that we got that drafts out and does all this other stuff comes off of my card. So I'm getting emails. Please contact us immediately. Blah, blah, blah this. And blah, this is going to be canceled. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Did you know that when we move, when Christ, who is our life, appears, the Bible says, then we shall be with him. We will appear with him. We're not going to have to worry about address changes. We're not going to have to worry about forwarding mail. We're not going to have to worry about did the moving truck make it in time. We're not going to have to worry about our accounts going wacko where we, our insurance could be canceled. Uh, this draft won't happen and all that stuff. We don't have to worry about that no more. That transfer, as a matter of fact, it's often been said that you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Why? Because you can't take this with you. And we're not supposed to be attached to this stuff. So leaving out of here should be a joyous event. It's going to be a joyous event, but do you understand what I'm saying? We're going there. We're going to be with Him. And I want to talk to you about that for just a moment. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet been seen or revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Philippians 1.22, for Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Don't miss what he's trying to teach us here. Did you hear? Go back to our verse and think about it. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will appear with him in glory. In other words, do you hear what I'm saying? We will appear with him in glory. That word glory is the word doxa. It's where we get our word doxology from. Listen to this. He says, but we all with unveiled face. In other words, when the veil is taken away, we, we, we see in a mirror dimly now, then face to face, when it's all taken away, then the as the mirror, uh, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 16 and 17 out of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, what, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that you and I, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Outward man's perishing, inward man being renewed day by day from glory to glory. When Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he comes, he's, he's been with the Lord, his face is glowing. But how many of y'all have ever had like a sweet moment with the Lord? I mean, you just, like you just, I mean, whether it was riding in your car, you listen to some preaching, listen to some music or something like that, but God just... It's like, man, I'm going to burst if, I, if God is just gets any richer in my life right now. Maybe it's while we were singing here at church or while preaching was going on. I'm just, that ain't happening. But anyhow, the, the glory of God, you just. And all it takes is for one thing to happen. It's gone. You ever been there? I mean, just. All we have to, if our mind goes to something on this earth, if somebody interjects into your life and says something, it's like it's just, you ever just been reading the Word of God? I hope you do read the Word of God. You ever been reading the Word of God? Phone rings. Talk, I forgot to put that on. Silent. Vibrates. Or maybe you're at Big Reds trying to do your study time in the morning and your pastor walks in and interrupts you. So, it's all gone. That's what happened with Moses up on the mountain. Comes down, the glory starts fading away. Why? Because all these knuckleheads down here are acting foolish. He, he probably wishes he could just go right back up on the mountain with God, but he's got things he's got to deal with, and he didn't deal with them right. The flesh took over. He had to go back to the mountain with God. And then, so anyhow... That's going on. But hey, there is, I believe, not just a fading glory in that, but there's a fostering glory. The Holy Spirit of God within us is fostering the glory of God. That within us, there is this spirit man, and the spirit of God lives within us. And that he is testifying, as the Bible says, of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and he is stirring up within us. That's why, why the Lord wants us to stir up these good gifts within us because it's in there. 
fostering us in this life that we live in, convicting us, exhorting us. As we study the Word of God, it, it does all these things to us. It reproves, corrects, it, it, it encourages, it does all these things. But there is coming a day when there will be a final glory. There's, a com there's coming a day when there will be a final glory. No, no more fading away, no more... As a matter of fact, I'll just make this statement. When the full glory of God does appear, grace will not be needed. We will be made right. You and I today say, I thank God for His amazing grace. That is not to, to, to harp anything ugly on grace. For by grace you are saved through faith. I get that. But when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will be with Him in glory. And not just with Him, we will be like Him. That, that, that you and I then will be transformed. The old is done away with. The new has fully come. And that you and I, There won't be no more domestic violence. There won't be no more sex trafficking. And let me just say this, anything that you've ever been through, and if I've said this in this service already, just write it down again or hear it again. But anything that has happened to you on this earth or ever will happen to you on this earth, until Jesus comes back, just one moment in His presence will make no bank has ever paid dividends out compared to what God is going to do for His people. So every bit of suffering you've ever been through, everything you've ever experienced, and there are a lot of people out there that have experienced things that you don't know about. A lot of people are silent sufferers. My cousin was one of them. Helped do his funeral on Tuesday. He lived life to the fullest and would never let his sickness dampen the things around his family or even at work. As a matter of fact, he used to, we, we all told, told some stories there at the service that ones that spoke about him, you know, living life to the fullest. And, and everybody almost had a water ski story because he loved to water ski. And I told my little story about the fact that he, we took a skateboard. He wanted to take the skateboard. He wanted to ski on skateboards. So we took the wheels off and put a ski fin on it. And I pulled him. Me and another fellow pulled him. I had no business having anything to do with driving a boat at that time. I mean, we were teenagers, and I didn't, know, I didn't live around the water. I wanted us to swing him over by a dock, to spray these girls on this dock, swung him too close. The next thing I know, the boat said, did like that, and looked back, and he's going over the dock. And Anyhow, but one of his sons told a story of him wanting to ski slalom while he was taking chemo, chemo port. Right here. Next thing they know, they heard somebody in the water. He's got a life vest on. He's bobbing in the water, putting skis on. His wife comes up on the edge of the boat and says, you can't get water in that port. It'll get infected, and we're going to have all kinds of problems. He said, well, I just won't fall. <laughs> Next thing you know, here he is popped up on skis, skiing, chemo port, and he's just laughing and going on. 
gets by my aunt and uncle's place on Black River and a big sandy beach. Everything's sand down there, but this big sandy beach. He lets go of the rope, kicks one ski off, goes up there on another and steps out of it and steps up on the bank. He said, I told you. <laughs> but he hurt. He made everybody feel comfortable around him that everything was fine, but it wouldn't fine. And for about 17 years of his life, he kept a grin on his face while he was suffering inside. That's over. He's home. It was kind of comical because the funeral was at First Baptist, I mean First Baptist, First Pentecostal Andrew, South Carolina. Pastor Dean Barber. No, I met Pastor Dean, unfortunately, through family funerals, but I'm sitting up there on the platform. Pastor Dean Barber's there, First Pentecostal Andrews. To my left, Pastor Becky from First Free Will Baptist is sitting right here. To my right is Father John from the Archdiocese of Denver, Colorado. My cousin traveled a good bit with work and other, other just enjoying traveling. And I'm sitting there with all them. Honestly, I'm wanting to, I'm up there with my legs, leg done like this. I'm wanting to go, what would make my cousin happy? I wanted to start singing. I like to teach the world to sing. Because I'm looking at all these. I'm like, here's Father John. Here's Pastor Becky. Here's all this. And I'm like, this is in a way kind of cool. But what we, in our hearts, what we would sing is what I heard every Sunday of my life for 14 years. <laughs> the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Do you know it? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And everybody has to go, Amen. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And amen simply just means so let it be. You and I in our lives, listen, when we see Him, we, right, will appear with Him in glory. And when you try to study this, this thing out, there's, there's a mixed camp because you really, in some ways, I think you go with both camps because is it the like an external glory type thing or is it an internal glory thing? But when I see him, the external is going to be glory and the internal is going to be glory. Everything about me is going to be the glory of God. That, that there's not going to be anything about me. There's not going to be, if there are cells in this new body, I don't know how this new body's made up, but if there are cells, every cell will be filled with the glory of God. 
every microscopic part of whatever it is that we are when we leave here. It is full of the glory of God, not just full of the glory of God, it is surrounded by the glory of God, that every single bit of everything that's around us will be the glory of God. When we come back with him on white steeds, following after him, we will be immersed in the glory of Almighty God, that we will never be harmed again. If you get what I'm saying, when we come back with him, however God's going to do it, we won't have to worry about the corruption of this earth at that moment. And all of those who have ever passed won't have to worry about the corruption on this earth, but we will be in his presence The Bible says that he will be our God and we will be his people. That every, that the glory, we will be with him, appear with him in glory. I just get this picture of the fact that it's just an absolute, not just immersion of glory, it is a makeup of glory. That that every follicle If we have hair, who knows? The balding people might win. We might all be bald when we get there, but whatever it is, guess what? I went to my, down there to help with, to be a part of the family, and that's kind of what I did more than, I didn't feel so much like the pastor, kind of just felt like I'm just sharing as a Christian family member and uh my mom and i stayed on tuesday night at the the home place for that part of the family in a little community called vox in between lake city and johnsonville at its prime my grandmother's yard would could have made the magazine of cover of any magazine in this country better homes and gardens whatever the home was not that majestic, well-kept, but not, not any majestic home. But my grandmother had a yard that people would drive through sometimes when the azaleas were blooming. They would, they would drive through, and, and they would look at the azaleas in bloom. There's some other thing that's blooming right now that's big old bush like that. My mom's showing me the, the buds on it where it was fixing to bloom. Those azalea bushes, when I was a kid, were big, big enough for 10 kids to hide up under just one bush. Granddaddy had probably at literally a good eighth of a mile of Concord grapes down the right-hand side of the incoming driveway. Strawberry patch, probably as big as the floor spot in, this, in front of me. Three gardens. Started with one. I'm the oldest of the grandkids. I remember just the one. And as the grandkids come along, he seemed to like add gardens. Now I think back, we sometimes would go down for two weeks at a time, occasionally a month at a time, about harvest time in the summer. Where So he had it planned out. Pecan orchard, and I say pecan. I don't know. Everybody up here says pecan, but we called them pecans, but... We'll let Jesus tell who's right. Used to send us up in them pecan trees. Bed sheets out. Go on out on the limb, son. I'm like, granddaddy, I'm afraid. Get yourself out on that limb. 
you better get out there. You come down, I got something for you. <laughs> like, holly, they, they'd arrest you for that now. You know that, right? I looked at all those acres that they kept up that are now not kept up. Walked up to the door. We, we would park. We'd come around, and, and the, like, it literally looked like a teardrop. We'd come in on one driveway, and then the drive split, and it went around the house. It was just like a teardrop. And at the center of the biggest part of the teardrop, at the back of it, it's where we parked at. And that side door, because the house faced to the point of the teardrop, and that side door, it's where we'd always walk in, but we'd never have to open the door because somebody was watching. Grandma. The door made the same sound when I opened it, but she wasn't there. Went in the house, and this will be probably the last time that I will ever go. Took some pictures, took some time. My granddaddy used to sit at the end of the table in this, this uh, industrial-looking military office chair. World War II vet. He used to go to the auctions and all the different things. And in, in the sidewalk, on my grandparents' sidewalk, are shell casings about this big around. The end, butt end of a shell casings, there's four of them. They had four kids. And the primer pocket for those shell casings, is, it's almost perfectly the size for a silver dollar. And there's a silver dollar from my mama's birthday, date, year she was born, and one for each of the three of her brothers. And I, Granddaddy had a big plate glass window when he built the house where he'd sit in that chair and he'd look, he could look out at the pond and the pecan orchard and all, and the, all that stuff on that side of the house. I sit there at the end of that table. Never really sit there because he sit there and until he went to bed, that's, he'd sit there that, with, with a... With a Plastic mug with Diet Pepsi in it. I'll never, I mean, just, you, you, ever, you, you with me? Some folks ain't there yet. They're going to get there. But there's others, you know what I'm talking about, that, that you go, man, I sure would love to eat some of Grandma's cooking again. Biscuits 24-7 on the, on the warmer. Ain't going to happen. Ship sailed. I went to my other grandparents' house one time. I was going to go back there and look at the Russian Whitewater River that we used to play at. Turns out it's a creek about that wide. It seemed so much larger when I was a kid. You ever heard the phrase, you can't go home? Why? Time here seems to steal that from us, doesn't it? Seems to take it away. Can I encourage you in something, my brothers and my sisters? If you are in Christ Jesus, you can go home. As a matter of fact, you, go, our home going is going to be something greater than any Thanksgiving dinner, than any Christmas gathering, than any Easter Sunday dinner, than any birthday party that's ever been had with any of our family members. My grandmother my, at the house I went to, she was missing two fingers. Yeah, little missing these two, I think it was these two fingers. I just, 
her uncle was trimming hedges. She was helping him, and there goes the story. I look forward to the day. Never saw her wave with five. Only with three. God's going to put all things broke back together. Broken hearts, broken lives. He fixes it all. I want you to stand with me for just a moment. Are you going home? It's a good question. Are you, you, are you one of the ones that's going home? That, that you, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are born again. Didn't ask you if you was a Christian. Didn't ask you, church member and other stuff, are you born again? The Bible literally, born from above. That the Spirit of God has changed you. You've been transformed. You're contrary. you you got a cultural conflict going on. Are you not sure or are you just positive that you're lost? I invite you to come to Christ today. I invite you to today that if you know without a doubt that you're lost, I invite you to come to Christ. Christ Jesus, the Bible says, died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, that he paid the penalty that we couldn't pay. We owed a sin debt to God. And sinful man cannot pay for that sin debt. It took a sinless, it took a spotless lamb to die in place. It took a, 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 a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life. He was crucified on that cross, paid the, and God poured out his wrath for your sins and for mine on that cross. And today you can, you can profess faith. You can repent of the fact that you are a sinner before God. God, I'm one you had to die for on the cross, and I want to profess faith in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross today and his resurrection from the dead, and I want to be a disciple. I want to follow him now and him as my Lord. If you do that today, please do not leave this place without letting me know. I would just, I don't want to, I don't want to pull you out. I just want to just, I want to encourage you. I want to help lead you in the right direction. But if that's you, I would ask you to come, please, and share with me the fact that you are a new creature in Christ now. And, if, and for every child of God in here, if you're saved, let go of the things of this earth. Don't hold them so tightly. Because when Christ, who is our life, appears we will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be with your people today. Thank you for your word. I want to ask you, God, that you would take your word, do the work that only you can do with it, change hearts, change lives, encourage your people. And we look forward, God, to one day being with you. God, give us the privilege to take as many as possible with us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.